We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Being authentic and vulnerable. You said one piece of advice, I've now given three. But I would say being <laughs> being authentic and vulnerable and just being like, I don't have all the answers. Like I constantly tell staff that. Well, Larry, what do you think about? I don't have all the answers. Let's think about it together. And being willing to collaborate with staff and saying, you know what? I've got some good ideas. You have some good ideas. Let's put them together and figure out how we can make all this work and, and how we can make things better. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Larry Walpi's path into education wasn't typical. Upon graduating from Ithaca College, he spent 10 years in radio and television news before traveling across the country, playing piano and singing at retirement communities. Eventually, arriving back in his hometown of Framingham, Massachusetts. There, while substitute teaching, he became passionate about education and earned his master's in elementary education from Lesley University. He served as a paraprofessional and substitute before having his own fourth grade classroom. After 10 years in the classroom, he transitioned to school administration. Since 2018, Larry's been principal at Potter Road Elementary School. And... I just have to add to this piece that the way I really ran into Larry and started thinking about having him on as a guest, um, he was playing ukulele and talking about his musical skills at the Summer Institute for the Massachusetts School Administrators Association. So I'm pretty psyched to have him on. He's got a creative, different view of uh, leadership and how to support teachers. So welcome, Larry. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I was actually, wait, was I doing ukulele or piano? I'm trying to remember. It what- was I, I said ukulele because of something else you were talking about, but it was a video of you doing the number from Hamilton. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so there were two things. There was the ukulele. I got it. I got it now. I remember it well. And I remember I was leading a session. We had a small but mighty group in front of us and peeked in the door and apparently were intrigued enough and walked in and it all kind of worked out from there. Yeah. No, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So I, I have to start off because you you didn't take the normal the normal road that we typically think of. And me being, education being a second career for me as well, I'm intrigued by that. So I have to ask you, what do you love about being a school leader? You know, that's a great question. I was having lunch with two third grade students yesterday. And one of them looked at me and said, the first first question this child asked me, he said, Mr. Wolpe, what, what do you like, is your job fun? And I said, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And he said, well, like, what makes it fun? And I said, well, you know, I like, I like people and I like relationships. I think far too often in education, we sort of hear like the, the, the long R word, like how important relationships are. I said, but, and then I said, thinking, I said, I like relationships with children. I like relationships with adults, not only the teachers in the building, but the parents who I have an opportunity to work with and sort of the whole community. I said, to me, it's just a whole lot of, a lot of fun. And, and if I think of the thing that I like most, it's, it's sort of, it's building, it's fostering and maintaining those relationships because without them, you know, we're, we're really, what, what are we, right? We're, we're not, we're not really able to accomplish, to accomplish anything. So I would say the number one thing is just building, fostering and maintaining those relationships. Now, the relationship piece, it's its interesting because whenever we talk about supporting teachers or engaging teachers, there's that whole trust piece, right? And so to trust somebody, you have to have a relationship. Do you have any go-to things you do to, to intentionally build relationships with teachers? So there's one I did a couple of years ago, and then I'll, I'll talk about that in, in just a second. And then there's sort of one I, I'm doing now. And and they, they definitely, there's some parallels there. Um, a couple of years ago, I heard uh, Jimmy Casas, uh, author of Culturize and many other ed leadership books, speak at the Mass Administrators, Mass School Administrators Conference, and I was really intrigued by him. And I and I, I actually couldn't believe, in retrospect, that I didn't go up and introduce myself afterwards. Perhaps there was a little bit of intimidation there, but um, he talked about having the opportunity to sit down with every member of your staff if you intentionally want to build a culture and ask them questions such as. What do you love about the school? If you were principal for a day, what's the first change you would make and why? How is this school different than the last school you worked in? And how can I personally support you in your success? So two years ago, pre-COVID, I had an opportunity. I sat down with almost everybody. And the answers that I received were so transformative. Some were, you know, little things that people would change as principal. I think, I think there was sort of this preconceived notion that the principal has a lot more power and influence than perhaps they do have. And, yeah, I'm, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm, as a fellow leader, right, like you get that. But, you know, some things are just like, hey, when you ask us to do X, could you ask it in this way? So let's fast forward to this year. I said, this post-COVID thing, we have to have an opportunity to sit down. I've got to sit down with people. I've got to intentionally. And I realized there were staff members who came aboard last year who I saw for in person, maybe all about six or seven weeks at the end of the year, everything else was remote. Any relationship we had was a remote virtual relationship. And I said, let's sit down. So I started asking some of these same questions again. And just this morning I met with someone on my staff and 
she brought up a point like stuff that you never even think of. Oh, it's those little things as a leader that you that you do or don't do that I think can kind of make or break you or you know or work. And she said to me, you know, Larry, when you send out the staff newsletter, I find it really hard to make it searchable. So do you think you can use that program that you send it with and send it directly through the program, not through an email attached to a Google Doc? She said, because then it just becomes a huge long list. And immediately I looked at her and I said, well, that's a brilliant, <laughs> like, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> like, it's like that stuff that we just wouldn't even think of. And I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you a mock newsletter through this program and you tell me if you can search it. So in other words, if I'm talking about, again, it's a little thing. If I'm, if I mention the newsletter about curriculum night, about our emerging multilingual students, about policies and procedures and protocols around, you know, COVID, like she could now go in and I'm still going to attach it to a Google Doc, but I'm also going to send it this way. So it's kind of like that UDL for staff, right? That universal design for learning. And I thought, and I said, this is why we have these meetings. And it was great just to have the opportunity to sit down with her as somebody who I didn't know. She didn't even know she saw on my, my wall that I went to Leslie University. She said, I, I didn't know you went there. I went there too. And then we started talking about Leslie and professors. And so there's all these connections that I think you make with intentionality. And then you just, you know, you you can you plant that seed and then hopefully you can you can grow and and, and foster them and good things will come. And, and you, and, and, you know, you have a great connection. Almost like that seven degrees. Was it seven degrees of separation? That game with, um, yes. now I can't think of the actor's name. Kevin Bacon. Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon, right? Kevin yes. Bacon, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's such a great way to build a relationship because it's organic once that conversation gets going on. And one of the things you said that really, really stuck to me on that was the little things that make a difference. And you want to talk about empowering or engaging teachers. The idea that you then sent your newsletter draft to this teacher and the te- so the teacher could check it out and kind of give it the thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, how empowered do you feel when you get to do that with your leader, when your leader comes to you for advice? Yeah, and it was it, was, it felt like almost second nature, but then in a, in a way, my, you know, my, my mind, like Homer Simpson, don't, like, why didn't I ever? Yeah. And, and she said to me, yeah, it's, it totally works. And I'm like, Great. And it was, and it was sort of her opportunity to tell me, I'll say in these meetings, look, this is like Vegas. What happens here stays here. Well, we're going to talk and you can tell me some things. I said, when I did this two years ago, I was crystal clear. You know, some people said, I heard everything. If I were to do a word cloud, it would be creative, arrogant, sometimes sarcastic, caring, compassionate. I heard everything in between. So, but I think then it was like, we're always defining who we are as leaders. And it was, I was definitely in a, I had just taken over for a very long, long serving, you know, tenured principal. And I was, I'm just trying to get my, my feet wet as the principal, no longer the assistant principal. And we know that's, that's a monumental jump. Don't think it's a little hop. Right. And so I was starting to define who I was. And I feel like as things have gone on, I've, I've done a better job of defining, but yeah, it. It was it was fun to think about. Wow, I totally just empowered her, and and hopefully she'll maybe go home and and talk to some of her her friends on staff, you know, her colleagues, and say, hey, you know, Larry did this, and like it's cool. I just said this, and he made this like change. So yeah, that's cool. I just 
it's funny that, so we mentioned, you mentioned Jimmy Casas. Yeah. So quick shout out to him. He's fantastic. If you ever, if anybody that's listening to this ever gets a chance to see him or, or talk to him, you mentioned a newsletter. Now I have a favorite newsletter program, but what newsletter program do you use? Some more. Uh, that's, that's the one I use too. Absolutely right. love it. Yeah. yeah. And I think it just, it's like three dimensional, right? I mean, you throw in pictures, video, it doesn't take a ton of time and it's just, it's really easy. So shout out to those people too for doing shout outs. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, and that's excellent. And it's funny every time a little update comes along, like they did an update where now you can do multiple email lists at once instead of just doing one at a time. Oh, that I was over the world at. I was like, wait, what do you mean I can attach? I can send it to five email lists at once. But I, I digress. That's <laughs> no, no, no. Well, as long as we're digressing, Chris, like the only thing I want is the ability to put, and I don't know the pronunciation of this word a GIF or a GIF in my new, yep. and we can argue, that. we can dispute how that word's pronounced all day long, but I, I don't, I don't think you can do that. I don't think so either. Well, I don't care how you pronounce it, but boy, if you could put one of those in, that'd be awesome. Right. Wouldn't it be like, this is how we're feeling. Like this is how we're feeling. Right. Cause we all have this crazy feeling. I don't know. I, just right. that. I did. I did actually reach out to them once and said, I can't put a, a GIF or a GIF. And I said, no, we don't have that capability yet. So maybe they will. Well, they said, yeah. If they said yet, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like we we grow our minds. I don't know that yet. You're right. There you go. You you mentioned something though that I I do want to dig a little deeper on is are those meetings because I do I do similar meetings once a year like at midpoint. It's a midpoint check in where I let them do like an evaluation type thing on me. It's a it's a quick fifteen minute meeting with three very specific questions. But something that you said, so I'd love to know how often you do those meetings. And the word cloud thing, because I did, you mentioned the word cloud. I did a leadership word cloud with them and had them describe me in a couple words and came up with a word cloud. And it was amazing how they viewed me as opposed to how I viewed myself as a leader. And so I actually printed that out and I hang it near my desk. So every time I come up with, or I come to a situation that's maybe a little difficult for a decision or something like that, I look at the leader that they perceive me to be and the leader I want to be, and I make the decision accordingly. I like that idea. I like, and, and you know what I think that does as a, as a leader, it makes you vulnerable and authentic because you didn't, did, I mean, you, there, you had no way of knowing what the words were before they put them in to describe you. And I think either way, right? So let's say that goes, and when I say it goes south, right? Let's say you don't get the intended words or the words that you would have liked them to perceive it. That tells you that you have some work to do. Right? And Right. And how do you get people to be honest with? I mean, do you feel like for the most part, people were honest when you did that? I do. By some of the responses, I I, I have a good feeling that they were honest. But um, (laughs) it's no, I I just told them, I said, hey, look, you know, I'm always asking you to continually improve. And I realize I have blind spots and there's places that I need to improve. But what I need to know is, is what what three words would you use to describe me as a leader? And I just had them throw them in and the cloud grew and it was anonymous. So they had that level. And I'm not a big fan of anonymity. Neither am I. Yeah. If, if we're going to do surveys and stuff like that, everybody's got to put their name on the survey because if I need yeah, to follow yeah. up with you, I need to follow up. But, but that's also, a, that's also a, a higher level of trust that you have to build with your staff to get that honesty. But this was, you know, it's weird saying it because of COVID. This was two years ago I did this. But... I asked them to do that. They did that. And the words that came up were 
were everywhere from supportive, engaging, empowering to bearded. <laughs> Somebody actually put bearded down. I could see um, it. So yeah, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you and uh, Luke Combs. That's a Luke Luke Combs thing you got going on. You I know, don't. I don't know who Luke Combs is. Well, he's a country guy. I'll point him out. Point him out after. All right. I'll send you a, a GIF or a GIF maybe. The, the, there you go. So your meetings. Uh, do you hold? Do you hold them often? Do you hold them? All at once, like how do you how do you do that for other leaders that are interested in doing something? Because that's a powerful thing where you sit down with a staff member and you get new direction, and I might even say new, breathe new life into your excitement about doing stuff and changing direction. So, you bring up a great point, and and I love I love your idea of the midpoint check in. Traditionally, I've done them at the beginning of the year. Now, granted, this this year has been. It felt a little, you know, a little different, I guess we can say, because children are all, everyone's back in the building. I didn't do it last year because there were so many unknowns and so many uncertainties. But I like the idea of doing it. I'm going to steal your idea, right? Because everything we do, really, we beg, borrow, and steal in this profession. Absolutely. Uh, if anybody thinks otherwise, think again. Uh, but I would say that I like the idea of doing them at the beginning and then in the midpoint. Right now, I just do them at the beginning but I keep that information. Now, this is only full transparency. This is really like my second go around of doing them. And my first one, I took pretty copious notes when people were talking to me. And I, again, I said, this is between you and me. It's not even going to go to my assistant principal. It's, it's really, it's between the two of us. Cause I want you to understand who I am as a person, as a leader, where I'd like to take the building. But I also want to know like your hopes, aspirations, dreams, Personally and professionally, right? And, and, and that's, that's knocking down a whole lot of walls. And when I took the notes the first time, I realized I just wrote a whole bunch of words. And now I'm taking notes and I put the name to it. So Chris Jones, whatever the answer to the question might be, or you know, it might be with some veteran staff who have already sort of done the initial intentionality with, what should I stop, start, and continue? What should I keep, adjust, or abandon? What works? What doesn't? But again, it has been primarily at the beginning of the year, but I really like the midpoint for so many reasons, not the least of which is that's just a great time to connect with staff on that on that personal level. And I think, you know, when you talk about breaking down those walls, there were some things that were, that were revealed and discussed in those meetings that, you know, I, I never knew, be it a a staff having, you know, a staff member having a disability or a sick child or something that I didn't know about. And you know what? That's kind of important to frame the work that we're doing with this person every day to know, oh, wait, they're thinking about X every day. So when we're having conversations, let's keep that in the back of our mind. Yeah, that's perfect. They, you know, and it's funny because you nailed the three questions that I asked, but I want to look at some different questions that I've been playing with because you're right. They do get, you said veteran teachers they do get tired a little after a little while. Like if you ask the same question, it's kind of like, well, okay, what am I supposed to answer now? Right, right. Love it though. The idea of those questions that you're talking about and building the relationships um, purposefully are, it's all about empowering your teachers through voice and then action. And I, I can't emphasize the importance of the action afterwards. Right, like it's, it's one thing. And I, and I think, and again, you learn as a leader, right? Because we're all learners. The first time, there weren't so many intentional actions, you know, but now I'm like, well, wait a minute. Somebody said this to me. There's a reason they're bringing it up to you 
take it for what it's worth and and see is is it something you know do you have the power to either a look into the matter or b you know what can you do you know to change and i think it's those little things and even when when we look at ourselves as leaders from as all all of our stakeholders right so we have parents i had a parent come up to me and say hey larry the way you do morning drop off in in the in the at the building is a little chaotic. And I said, okay, that's great. So what, like, do you have a suggestion? Cause I'm happy to work with you and hear your suggestion. And she not only came up with a suggestion within that same day, she emailed me her entire proposal. And within two weeks, I emailed it to the entire community. And we now have this new relatively foolproof system for getting kids in and out of cars in the morning, keeping the traffic flowing, you know, safe passage to, you know, you have buses coming in one direction, cars coming in another direction. We have somebody at the corner holding a stop and a slow sign. So it all works out. But it's just, I think, listening to your stakeholders, like there's, there's so much that, and I, and forgive me if I'm going on too long about this, but it's like, there's so much that we're often told, like whether it be an initiative or something from central office, that sometimes you just need to kick back and be like, what are our people saying? Like, what are they saying? And, and how is it at ground zero, right? Because at the end of the day, that's, it's, our, it's our building, it's our community, and it's what we, what we do with that information that helps. What you're talking about is, you know, the whole, the whole piece of action and just kicking back and listening. Boy, if we could get the world to slow down every once in a while or, or slow ourselves down in the world, let's put it that way and actually listen to people, how much more effective we could be in, in helping support them by hearing what they say and then giving them what they need instead of assuming what they need and then providing that. You know, so I, I'm going to share a story, if you don't mind, of a teacher. I met with a teacher the other day on, we'll just say, a more, a more directed path of supervision and evaluation. And I don't know if either of us was looking forward to the conversation for a multitude of reasons. I think it's those, it's those uh, challenging conversations, those difficult conversations that are the hardest, but the most necessary at times. And little, I didn't expect what happened. I went in and I really, you know, we all, and it can seem a little kooky, like we do like a lot of self-talk. This is me. I do a lot of self-talk, right? And I'm sitting across the table and I'm like, assume positive intentions. Like, Everyone's doing the best they can. And yeah, people make mistakes. I've made mistakes. We can talk about those, right? But like people make mistakes and people use errors, errors in judgment. And it's okay. So what if they were if they were written up for something they did? But why don't you just hear the person? And what I found was like a breath of fresh air. I think we both enjoyed, relatively speaking, enjoyed the conversation because it was like, you know, I get it. And I, and I actually turned to her and said, so if I understand what you're saying, what you need from me is X. And rather than, you know, rather than me going to what you consider to be a deep, dark place of whether it's writing something up, you want to make sure that there's always that conversation that precedes it. And she said, absolutely. And I said, okay. And so what I need from you is to understand that my job as the instructional leader of the building is not only building a relationship with you, but sometimes I'm going to offer you constructive feedback. And I want you to do your best to not get defensive 
like to have that conversation. I said, because none of us are perfect. I said, I get feedback from my bosses. And to me, that was, that was an incredibly healthy, necessary, and I guess you could even call it brave conversation to have with somebody. And it, instead of going to a dark place that felt uncomfortable, I think we both left with, okay, there might've been some damage done to the relationship prior to that meeting, but we're in a better place now. How did I get there? I feel like I went to Tallahassee by way of uh, Sacramento or something just then, but yeah. <laughs> and and like that trip would probably be, it was a good trip. So no, and you say, you. I want to tell a story if, if you don't mind. Well, I think that's what we're here for. Yes, I like stories. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you said so much about the whole self-talk piece reflecting and listening that I want to touch. I want to touch more on that because I want to group those together because it's actually an interesting process, but I want to do that. It's a larger conversation. I want to do that. I want to just take a break here from our sponsors real quick first and then come right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by better leaders, better schools, the place out of the box leaders in education turn to, to grow their leadership skills. Maybe you're interested in making better decisions, creating your idea week or building a world-class culture. Learn more at betterleadersbetterschools.com. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Larry. And when we left, we Larry had recounted a story where he had to overcome some self-talk and then he was talking about how he responded to the person who was talking to him. And it just made me think, and Larry, I, I had said this as we were going on, on that break part of it, that it's almost like a process you laid out where I look at it as self-talk's incredibly important. We all do it. Anybody that says we don't is fooling themselves or trying to sell us a bridge somewhere. And so when you're listening in a conversation, which is difficult anyways, you're trying to listen to the person you're having the conversation with, but you're also subconsciously sometimes listening to your own self-talk that you've built in. And then you're reflecting, not just during the conversation, which you laid out perfect, where, hey, I think you're telling me this so that you can be sure and clear up any communication, but then you reflect on it afterwards as to how it went to always trying to prove. So that whole process, is there... Do you have a specific way you do that or a set of triggers to help you with self-talk or to make sure you're on point listening? I, I don't know if there's a specific way I do it. I do know a couple of things. I do know that I've worked the last few years and it's like a, everything else is a work in progress is, is to be as present as possible, first of all, during everything, right? And because that's hard because our minds are always going really mass minute. And then to be... A good listener, right? Was it a, was it Covey who said seek first to understand and then to be understood? Was that I think, was it I think famous saying? It most likely it was Covey, right? And 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 I think that like that is so key, and I really try to make that 
my mantra as, as I'm doing that self-talk, right? So someone could be talking to me and in my mind, it could be saying, I don't really agree with them. And then I'll, and then I'll, then I'll sort of, fight. it's like the, you know, the characters from inside out almost fighting with each other saying, don't worry, don't worry about a darn thing, man. Like you stop thinking about how you feel about what this person is saying, start really listening to them. So I, it, it, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. I don't think it, it's not supposed to be easy, but I try to be intentional about it. it to, when someone is talking to me, try to clear my head and, 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 li- and listen, and then sort of simultaneously do that reflection and then think about, well, okay, now I've, now I've reflected, what's my response going to be? And how is this where's this conversation going to go? And and you don't always know. In this particular case, you know, it felt like, wow, we're in a better place than where we started. And again, keep in mind, this is a conversation that could have gone south really quickly, but I did my level best to listen to what this individual said before responding. And if I'm being totally transparent with you, Chris, there were times when I was like, Okay, I gotta jump in. No, you don't have to jump in here. Stop it. Like, you know, I I I can be a loud, boisterous guy. And I'm like, no, stop talking, Larry. This is listening time. You need, you need to listen. So I think just you talk about self-talk, telling yourself, I really need to listen, first and foremost. I really, really need to listen. Then reflecting sort of simultaneously without listening. And then responding, but thinking cognitively, how am I going to respond? Now, I'll tell you, I do this great in my professional life. In my personal life, do not talk to Mrs. Walpy or any of my three children. Wait, wait, her. she's on next. Well, she's on next. <laughs> Bring her on. No, I mean, like, there'll be, a, you know, she'll probably listen to this and say, really? Do you do that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it. Well, my energy's expended all day doing it with adults, <laughs> yeah. family. Yeah. We're supposed to be our best selves, I, I suppose, all the time. But yeah, it, yeah. we feel comfortable enough with our family that we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> sorry, sorry, honey, you you get sort of the leftovers. Whatever happens, it- yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, something you said, I we'll we'll get back online before we take another trip to a different city via a longer route. Okay, I love it. But um the uh something you said, you have to stop thinking about how you feel about the, what they're saying and instead make sure you're listening to what they're saying. Cuz boy doesn't that get in, doesn't that get in the way. When somebody says something and that, you know, the feelings of defensiveness and I I mean look, it happens to everybody. I struggle with the line where okay, so you're talking to me and now I'm thinking about how I'm going to respond to what you're saying, but I don't want to lose that point you just said, but you're still talking because I'm not going to interrupt, but I, I want to make sure I respond. So how do I cry? Oh, wait, they're still talking. I have to listen to what they're saying. You know what I mean? It, yep. And then tack on to any preconceived notions that you might have of that individual, either based on fact or reality, right? right. So you had an interaction with X person and you sort of feel like, since you had that reaction, you might think a little differently, for better or for worse, whatever it is, right? It, it could be a it could be a positive vibe that you're getting from that person. But I think it's because you know, I by our very nature, right? We're human. We think about, well, all right, let me. How am I feeling about this? Don't worry about how you're feeling. Worry about really, really listening. And that, and that, as we both, I think you just alluded to it. 
That's the biggest challenge, right? Especially as building leaders, as district leaders, even as teachers, right? I mean, you can you can bring this down. You talk about empowering teachers, but even talking to teachers about, you know, I noticed X child, and and I know I've seen it in the classroom during observations. I noticed this child came up to you and you already had an answer for the child before you even heard what they said, right? And then transfer that to staff. And, you know, that's like, that's really powerful stuff. That is powerful. That's that's the real deal when you're talking about you see an example uh, made to you about something that you're working on because it seems like a shortcoming or where you're falling short play out in a classroom in front of you where you're like, hey, well, you shouldn't have done, oh, wait a minute. And you see that that's the way you you react with staff or respond to staff. Yeah, and it's not perfect. Yeah, no, I, and I mean nothing ever is. It's but as long as we're as long as we're always working towards getting better at things. Yeah. So so how do you hone that skill? Any ideas on how how as leaders, right? Because as as soon as somebody listens to you, and that's the whole thing with the mirroring piece or the reflecting piece, when somebody says something to you and you clarify it and say. I think I'm hearing this. They automatically, they're engaged because it becomes about them. Just like if you you walk up to somebody at a party or something like that, you want them to talk three times as much about themselves as you do about yourself. Right. Because that engages them in the conversation. But then when you actually get it right, they feel supported. Not And, and not, I don't mean, it comes across wrong. I don't mean it's a fake thing, like you're fake supporting them, but they feel that support because we do really want to support people it's just a matter of how we can get that message across. So do you have any any ways to work on how to better do that? In the end, I think it's just all about practice. Like you need to, you know, and you even, you know, with your assistant principal or an instructional coach or somebody who you trust implicitly and have, have a great relationship with, you can say, look, I really want to practice this. I really want to practice my listening skills and I think if you have a good relationship with that person, you're going to be in a good place and and try it. But I just knew that because we all have had experiences with other leaders, right? Before we became leaders, we're like, I either A, want to be like this person or I don't want to be like this person. And then we kind of come up and we're like some, or some recipe, you know, we've created some recipe for ourselves that makes us X type of leader, whatever that looks like. I like to think I'm very collaborative. I would hope that my staff would agree, but I think it's just really constantly when, when you talk about self-talk and I never realized how much until we're, until like you're, you're pushing me to to talk about self-talk and reflecting. I never realized how much of my day is spent doing this rather than reacting, saying what, what is this person really trying to tell me? How can I really actively listen process and respond in such a way that's going to make a difference. Now, I'm going to be totally transparent. I haven't always been this way. Like, I would say there's a huge part of me. And, you know, you talk about like making a mea culpa with staff, right? Like occasionally you make mistakes. There was a time a few years ago I did something. um, I had really pushed a certain segment of our staff to do X thing and it wasn't being done. And I was in a meeting and let's just say I got a motive, right? Let's just say I got a motive and I, I took my fist and it wasn't, it wasn't done. And, and I had never, I don't even know, I had written out a whole response because I didn't feel like I was getting the, 
desired response. And I learned really quickly, this is not the way I want to be, but I'm going to, I'm going to continue with the story for a second. I, you know, I got very frustrated and then, and then it became um, a question of, you know, it's almost like not as Larry fix a lead, but if this, is this how this person's going to react every time something happens that, that we don't agree with or we don't do. And then after a staff meeting, right at the very end of a staff meeting, I said, let's talk about the elephant. I said, ladies and gentlemen, I made a mistake. I said, I made a big mistake. I said, and I know you all know about it because I just know as leaders, we know the way that association works. And it's not a bad thing, right? We need, we need people fighting for us. And I said, I, I made a big mistake. I said, how I reacted was not appropriate. And I do hope that we can work or, you know, you can work with me and, and rebuild trust in myself as a leader because it wasn't appropriate and it's not okay. And I apologize and, and, and please, I hope you can accept my apology. And I will tell you, you know, we talk about relationships and sort of the deposits and, and, and paying dividends, you know, and that sort of thing. You don't, I didn't know it at the time. And, the, and my gut just told me, I didn't read any leadership book that told me it. My gut was like, hey, you should probably address this issue. Best thing I ever did. But because I think it spoke volumes to the authentic type of leader who I try to be. And it was just an opportunity for the staff to see, wow, okay, cool. Like we make mistakes, right? Maybe you, you talk too sternly to a child or you have an interaction with a parent. and. They just saw it. So there were, and there was a huge sense of vulnerability. And that's how we have to be, I think, as leaders. Thank you very much for sharing that story. That was, that was an exercise in vulnerability right there. I hope you didn't mind. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was just, it was a time that I, that I thought about that I'm like, was it my proudest moment? Absolutely not. And I didn't even realize how it had affected people till it was brought to my attention. And I guess, and, and I, and I get it. I totally get it. And then I think back to my bosses. If I had, if I had been in a room with a guy who I call my boss, my principal, and he had, you know, banged his fist on a table like that to make a point, there's no, there was no reason. For, I don't know why I was grandstanding and talking too much. I wasn't doing what I should have been doing, which would have been like, you know, perhaps they were telling me if I had, I had heard so many things third hand, and that's another thing. Not to again you know, veer off course here, but I heard so many things third hand about how this segment of, the, of my staff was, was viewing this initiative and, and how they weren't doing it, but I hadn't really gone to see for myself. Right. And I think had I done that, it would have been a totally different conversation. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have been emotive and I wouldn't have been frustrated, but it would have been like, Hey, let's talk about this. Right. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what I saw and what's working and what's not working rather than, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it's all experience and just listening. So that's a great example. Thank you very much for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. I think the listeners are going to learn a lot from that. We're almost to the end. I've got two more questions for you. And these, these are, these are like the only scripted questions that we're going to hit today. So okay, I ask them of every person at the end and then, you know, where we go from there, nobody knows if, if you were not a leader, who, not what would you be and why? So the beginning, you mentioned ukulele, piano, whatever it was. I have 
always loved, yeah, I've got this like performance bug. So uh, who probably an Elton John, Billy Joel-esque type of entertainer and not just, not just for the, you know, ad- adulation of a gazillion fans and records, and music, but like, like music is phenomenal, right? It's phenomenal in education. And I, I had a student, uh, we're going back a number of years, this child, it was actually my first year in the classroom, solo teaching by myself. This child wasn't responding to anything. I tried all the tricks they teach you in grad school about, you know, children with attentional issues and that sort of thing. And I felt like I was completely useless. And then I brought out my keyboard and we were talking about the rock cycle. And I came up with this song, um, Igneous Sedimentarian, Metamorphic, yeah. You know, and I, and I came up with a song. We well, just got a sample. They, yeah, a little sample. <laughs> and so, and I did, his eyes lit up. He became a different child. All, I mean, his participation rate in my classroom was like off the charts. And then we I started saying, okay, so music is the key to this kid's heart. And by the way, the other kids liked it too. And then we started doing, you know, when we talked about poetry, we talked about rap and kids wrote raps about, uh, you know, the history of, of Framingham and all this stuff. And I was like, well, music is so powerful that if you can, and it, bring, it, it connects all sorts of people, right? We're like a divided country, but music will pull us all together. Like it just will, it just does. And it will. Um, and fast forward about three years ago, a young woman showed up at the front door of this building that we're in right now. And she said, uh, Mr. Wolpe, I'm, I'm looking for, cause we have voting here. So I'm looking for voting. I said, well, it's actually around back. And she said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no. And she, then she reintroduced herself. And I said, oh my goodness, how are you doing? What are you doing? She said, I'm a, um, I'm a science teacher right now at the high school level. I do earth science. And she said, do you remember that song you wrote, Igneous Sedimentary and Metamorphic, the Rock Cycle song? She said, do you think you could send that to me like in a video and I could use it with my kids? And then I thought, holy Toledo, we just made this great connection. Not only could I send it to her, I had to dig out the words because I think it was done in some like, Microsoft Word file, whatever that is, right? And like Microsoft 97, and I dug it out and, and, I, and I played it for her on the piano and I sent it over to her in a video and she used it. And then she told me how her kids loved it. Her high school students said, yeah, so that what you would be, boy, I'm sorry, that went in a completely different direction, but I just thought about, like, it's not, you know, it's not like the egocentric part of it necessarily. It's, it's the... It's the music is awesome. Yeah. And that, that there it is. Sorry. <laughs> I hope you didn't mind. Thank you for indulging me. What, what are you apologizing for? It's, it's, not the, it's not the notoriety piece. It's the impact piece. Yeah. And, and, and I try to use music wherever. I did something uh, back when I was assistant principal. I, I came up with a song that we had the whole school singing. It was E-double-F-O-R-T. You know, and... And uh, I did one for bullying and yeah. 
I, it was fun. I mean, it's fun. And I still try to connect with people uh, through music and even, even playing for the staff. Now I've sort of made it a tradition, right? A tradition as educators, if we do something twice, it's a tradition, right? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, so I started two years ago, pre-COVID, I started the, the, the uh, staff meeting by playing, get, playing and singing, getting to know you. And then this year I did a Hamilton parody, which was based on, you know, we are back. Don't you see? And whatever it was. So yeah, it's a tradition now. So it's got to continue, but yeah, music is, music is, uh, it's just an enormous, and we can use it. And, and it, and it, 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 it very seriously, the, you know, the research shows it activates a part of our brain that we might not otherwise use. So if, if, um, if I can encourage educators who might be listening, like figure out a way to do it, like write, write parodies and have some fun with it because that content based songs will go a long way. Cool. So my, my last question, this is, this is where we wrap it all up. And this is, this is where it becomes the price um, worth the price of admission. Okay. So what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower their teachers in a better way? I'd say, and I, I, I said it earlier, but I think it's imperative that they just listen. Just listen when they can and respond with intentionality. Really just, and it sounds cliche, I know, but conversations are going to get you everywhere. If you're running your ship or running your school with a bunch of emails, and we all do it, right? Because it takes it, it takes a whole lot less time and we do tricky things like schedule them to send at certain times and, and that sort of a thing. But if that's how you're running things, like that's okay. Like it, it'll work, but it's much more effective. Even like just yesterday, I had an, I had an experience with somebody and I want to say, Hey, could you please stop doing X? I could have easily written an email. In fact, I was all set to write an email. I just had a quick hall wall conversation. I said, listen, here's the deal. You don't need to be having a walkie talkie access to, you know, you only need it if you're running dismissal and this individual extremely receptive to it. And rather than getting something in your inbox that feels rather impersonal, it says, stop doing this. So I think listening and I think being, being authentic and vulnerable. You said one piece of advice I've now given three, but I would say being, (laughs) being authentic and vulnerable and just being like, I don't have all the answers. Like I constantly tell staff that, well, Larry, what do you think about? I don't have all the answers. Let's think about it together and being willing to collaborate with staff and saying, you know what? I've got some good ideas. You have some good ideas. Let's put them together and figure out how we can make all this work and, and how we can make things better. Awesome. I can't imagine that somebody is going to listen to this and not want to get in touch with you. So what's the best way, if anybody wants to follow up with you or wants any kind of clarification or, or extra stuff, I mean, you are a guy that gives extra. I asked for one thing and you gave me three. So, <laughs> and they were all quality. So, Okay. All right. We'll take that. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? So I would say there's a couple of different ways. At Wolpe, that's W-O-L-P-E. Mr. That's on Twitter. Okay. And I'm not the, I know you're a Twitter fanatic. I know this, right. But I'm not quite that guy on Twitter, 
but I like to hang out on there when I can. Um, also, they can feel free to give me, uh, they can send me an email at L-W-O-L-P-E at framingham.k12.ma.us. Perfect. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me today and and um, really drop some good things for the listeners to this podcast on, on ways to better support, engage, and empower teachers. So you've been a great guest. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed my time. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.